Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. And so here we are. It's Thursday. Welcome into the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Lots to talk about, lots to say, as always. Uh, Gamecocks continue to move through the first week of preseason camp. So far, so good. Certainly like, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, talking about the football aspect of things, rather than if we are or are not going to have a football season, a little note or two on that topic, though, to start it off, and it won't be too long. Uh, you know, North Carolina, Notre Dame, both suspended athletic activities. Uh, they're they're giving up on campus life this year, uh, sending the students home, um, doing remote, uh, and kind of uh, rightfully so. I mean, North Carolina had some COVID outbreaks. Uh, there were actually uh, – there was actually one uh, story about a family moving their son in at UNC – uh, and the the dorm room they were moving him into hadn't been cleaned and, and sort of looked like the fifth circle of hell, which, you know, is indica- indica- indicates a ball drop on the part of that university and their housing department. Um, and, and so let's just say it was no big surprise because I don't know, you know, where the breakdown was in communication at North Carolina or the actual doing of their job. But based on that and some other things, you know, it's not not a surprise that that, that, that thing kind of spiraled out of control pretty quick. Uh, my understanding is, as of right now, you know, UNC's pausing athletic activities so they can kind of get everybody that's not going to be on campus off campus, um, move everybody out, whatever, get people back to online learning, <laughs> and then they're going to restart. Uh, Notre Dame may be a different story because, you know, they're – President and AD have talked about for forever how they can't have football if they don't have students. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Notre Dame's like the only Midwest school that's playing right now. Um, as far as the state that they're in, Indiana, they've been pretty open as far as, you know, playing ball and, you know, not putting a bunch of restrictions on their citizens. Um you know, I, something tells me Notre Dame pushes through, but I, I would think that that would be uh, somewhat up in the air just because it's Notre Dame. But they try to make, you know, decisions on their own. But, uh, you know, those are two ACC schools. Notre Dame is an ACC school this year. The ACC is going to play on. Um, I, you know, if, if you ask me my gut feeling, now my gut feeling yesterday was the Big Ten was going to end up coming back to the table and playing. And the commissioner shot that down in a letter yesterday, which I think just ticked a bunch of people off. But, um, you know, my guess is Notre Dame restarts like the rest of them and and all that. And I think you're going to see this. I think that – and I've said this from the start. This is nothing against college students getting an education. I understand the importance of that. I understand the importance of, you know, elementary school kids and junior high, high kids and high schoolers getting an education and being in school. I think that's a travesty, but you know, the, 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 the feeling, you know, nationally and everything else is, you know, you don't want to spread this thing. Um, You're not just going to throw them in there and have them do herd immunity or whatever. So if the idea is to stop the spread of the virus, 
um, in-person instruction in school and college, especially college kids living a college life because they're going to do it, um, it is a little bit untenable, in my opinion. I, I just, you know, I, I, I think you can distance a football program. You can test a football program. You know, you're talking about 250 people, Will Muschamp said, and that was actually a higher number than I anticipated. Uh, they test everybody in the building. Um, you know, they're able to contact trace and socially distance and quarantine as needed. That's an awful, awful lot different than 30,000 students. Uh, and even at South Carolina, where, thank goodness, they do have a good testing protocol in place. You know, it's only mandatory for students to live on campus. Lots of students live off campus. I know I did when I went to Carolina. Um, it was just off campus, but it was off campus. Uh you, you you know what's the motivation for those folks to go get tested if they, if they don't really even care about social distancing anyway and some think it's a hoax some some think it's not but they're indestructible i mean it's it's you're just dealing with a lot of people that you're counting on being 100% compliant with personal responsibility when you're dealing with a university and in such large numbers uh, I just don't know, you know, and, and I, I, at the same time, even if they did say, okay, we're going to have this police force, <laughs> the, the Corona force uh, to go enforce this stuff throughout our student body, that's not a good experience either, you know, because college in a cer- certain amount of ways is about being free and on your own and exploring, you know, what to do on your own uh, in life. Uh, and, and I think that's, those are important lessons to learn. You kind of get thrown in the ocean and you're like swim. And if you don't swim and you don't go to class and you don't manage your time in college, you're, you're not going to make it through. And, you know, that's a lot different than, you know, mom waking you up in the morning and rolling to first period in high school. And, you know, you can't leave or it's, it's a suspension. I mean, you know, college is about free will. And so I, I don't know that that would be good either. But, you know, we'll monitor the situations. There's going to be outbreaks like that, and there's going to be pauses in athletic activity, I think, uh, when schools try go. They're like, we're going to go online, and we're going to pause this for now while everybody's moving in and out because there's a lot of activity. Uh, then we're going to, you know, drop a sanitize, sanitation bomb on this place uh, and then continue on. I, I You know, and look – do we want to have – I think we need to, you know, always play football with no students. No. I mean, obviously, at some point we got to get back to normal uh, in our country and in our world. Uh, but for right now, when you're, you're still trying to deal with outbreaks and spreads and stuff like that, I, I don't see the problem with it. And, and look, I'm, I'm going to say this. I respect the fact that people value education. I value education. Um, you know, there, there's things you can argue about higher education nowadays and debate and tweak it and make it work for our society in a better way, in my opinion. But all in all, I'm, I'm pro-education. I mean, I think that's important. It changes people's lives, um, all that good stuff. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, that being said, <clears throat> You know, people talk start talking about, well, the, the purpose of the university is to you know, educate students, and it is. But it, it, the purpose of a university, especially a large state-supported university like, like Carolina and, you know, Clemson and most of the large football-playing schools, not all of them, you know, Notre Dame certainly 
is private and Catholic and falls into a different category. But the purpose of a university is not just is to enrich and support the lives uh, of you know the people that it serves, which are the people in the state of South Carolina, um, the alums, uh, and people like that. You know the quote unquote university community at large, and football is a big part of that. I mean, maybe a while back, you know, and when it was kind of just a an activity. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't think that, but it's a it's a multi-million dollar economic engine driver uh, for the community at large and the university. And it, it helps in other areas. So it's not just like a club activity. Um, and I look at it, you know, that's why at South Carolina and other schools, you have a school of public health. Um, you know, you have researchers and, and, and people that do that. Yes, you can go study public health and take public health classes and major in it and all that. But, you know, there's professors on, on faculty there that, that just do research, you know, and, and the research is done at these universities to better people's lives. Um, and I don't think they're shutting research down. So, you know, for those that are like, well, you know, the, the core purpose of the university is this. I politely disagree with you that football is not included in that because it does enrich the lives of people beyond the student body. Uh, it enriches the lives of, you know, people that are even outside of the university community. It matters to the society. Uh, if you think about this, the state of South Carolina, the people in South Carolina and the society that, that you've built in South Carolina, Clemson and South Carolina football matter a lot. And so that's why, you know, I think even if you have to send students home, you, you probably still need to find a way to make the season work under that, you know, umbrella of, hey, all right, well, we, we got to go online with one of our missions, which is to educate our student body, you know, but we can still do this, that, and that, you know, research included. And so I, I think that that's, when you dig into that, you know, I, I know it makes some people feel uncomfortable, that, that maybe you don't you don't have students taking classes, but you can have football. Uh, but you know you're dealing with less people. If football, if fo football teams were thirty thousand large, like if, and I, I don't know that this wouldn't be cool. If um, you know, let, way down the road, you know, what if football were like this big gladiator battle? <laughs> you know, and you had armies of thousands that you know got up and uh, fought a fake war or whatever, and uh, you know the winner gets whatever. Uh, rather than 22 on the field at a time. Um, and then school was kind of like uh, two, groups of 250 going in and getting educated. I would, I would say, well, you can't have football, but you got to have school. But, um, you know, we'll see kind of what, what happens with that. Uh, there's another article out there quoting dozens of cardiologists that, you know, kind of agreed with me on myocarditis that it's something that's been known and that, you, you know, that's not a reason to cancel a season. So we'll see kind of what the deal is. Um, all right. So football stuff, Florida taking you down to Gainesville, Florida, the swamp Gamecocks, of course, that's their second game of the season. So you gotta, you know, we're going to kind of on the podcast, talk a lot about what's happening at Tennessee and Florida. Cause those are the first two games. Um, and in, in one week or one month, it'll be game week. We'll be in one month from today. We'll be six days for kickoff. So I guess this will be a Monday, September twentieth, uh, getting ready for the game cast to kick it off against the Vols. But something interesting down there. And I say this 
knowing that Florida tends to have a lot of offseason dysfunction under Dan Mullen. And then they end up winning big, big, bigly during the season. Um, 21 and five the last two years, uh, Peach Bowl and Orange Bowl. Uh, you know, really they've done a good job of, uh, of turning it around because Dan Mullen inherited a four and seven team. Now, that four and seven team was preceded by back to back SEC East championship teams. So, so in reality, Florida hasn't been down but one year the last five years, but that that cost McElwain's job in came Mullen. Um, and they do have things that happen, you know, you have recruits coming to campus and leaving and all that. Mullen's had to kind of more so than maybe any other team in the East, he's had to weather a lot of uh, off season storms. Um, and here's another one. So you got these guys uh, thinking of opting out. Uh, Trevon Grimes, uh, who was a good receiver, probably not the five-star receiver everybody thought, started at Ohio State, came back to Florida, but still a guy who can catch some passes. Uh, Josh Hammond, who's certainly a really good returning receiver. And Kendarius Tony, who's kind of their Wildcat quarterback guy, uh, kind of a scary player. In a lot of ways, when you think about how how they use him in different manners, uh, and then on defense, defensive end Zach Carter, who's uh, been leaning that way. So you know, a lot of these guys, there's a good chance, according to reports out of Gainesville, that all of these guys end up opting out for this year. Now, what does that do to their offense? Uh, you know, I, I think what it does is it hurts depth. Uh, and I think at the receiver position, you, you have to rely on a guy like Xavier Henderson who's coming in as a hotshot recruit to step up and start uh, to give Kyle Trask some of those targets he had last year. Um, they're also breaking in new running backs. You know, you have Pierce, who's the starter coming back. Lorenzo Lingard, who was an outstanding big-time running back out of, out of college, uh, high school, probably should have gone to Florida to begin with, ended up going to Miami, uh, and then transferred to the Gators. He's eligible this year and healthy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. You know, they're kind of working the offensive line together. So you kind of look at it without those three guys at receiver, you know, the, the competition goes down and you got to kind of piece it together. Um, so that's uh, that's the deal there. And, um, you know, Zach Carter certainly is a good defensive end. I, I don't know that that impacts their defense quite as much as if it were three or four guys. But um, – you know, certainly that's significant, and and I, I think that if those guys do opt out at the end of the day, that um, you know, perhaps they uh, you know, they're not as potent on offense as people think. Uh, I didn't pick them to win the SEC East because I, I didn't think Georgia's defense was going to allow them to to do anything uh, in that game, even if they did win all the others. But I think this will be interesting to see if they remain a top ten team, if indeed these guys opt out. So that's something to keep an eye on the situation at Florida. Um, you always want to, you know, take advantage of teams that have had sudden roster issues, injuries or whatnot early uh, before they find other guys and put it all together. Florida's got other guys. I mean, they've got a lot of speed on that roster, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see sort of what happens there with the Gators. Back to the Gamecocks. One thing you heard Will Muschamp say – um, yesterday, he praised the receiving core. He's like, we hadn't gotten separation like that in a long time. 
in one-on-one situations. Uh, it's a practice. It's one practice, you know, uh, hopefully that continues to work. And, you know, this position that's the biggest question mark on the field right now heading in uh, could actually end up being pretty solid, you know. And I think that uh, Brooks coming in from Wingate, uh, I think that that's a, that's a big deal that maybe people aren't talking about enough. I, I think that, you know, you look and see what he can do, uh, you know, and, and I'm not – I mean, I'm not just uh, talking about the uh, the the Jalen Brooks uh, video that was on Twitter the other day. I'm not basing it on that. I just, you know, from what you hear, you know, these guys are actually playing, you know, pretty well. And so, hey, you, you want to go out there and get that done. I mean, you know, if you're him and you want to get him eligible, you know, so then you got uh, you got him. Um, and that could be a piece of the puzzle. Rico Powers is a piece of the puzzle. Uh, DeCarrie and Joyner's done some really nice things. Shy Smith, uh, Colin Hill talked about Shy having a really good day. Um, you know, there, there are some options there. It's just up to the individuals to sort of step up um, and make things happen, uh, in my opinion. So I thought that was one of the most positive things, you know, coming out of practice yesterday. They sort of just feed us a, a bunch of photos and notes afterward, which I, I think is pretty cool. Um, and then we kind of go from there. Quarterback battle rages on, but with Holinsky and Colin Hill, uh, we will see kind of how that develops. Uh, I continue to think that, you know, Colin Hill may have an edge heading into this one. But like I've said before, that's based on information I've picked up. It's not not, not my opinion. I don't. You know, I, I can kind of see both ends. I can see, you know, Hill being – I mean, it, it's just – to me, it's like play the better one. I mean, that that's the bottom line with all that. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd's getting a lot of uh, early accolades, uh, including from folks I've talked to. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty excited about uh, him specifically. Haven't heard a lot about Zaquandre White. Uh, have heard Kevin Harris, Rashad Amos – Deshaun Fenwick really doing good. Now, I don't want, you know, I don't want you guys to think that means white isn't good. Um, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm just kind of thinking, uh, thinking that, you know, maybe he's kind of easing his way in or whatever. Or maybe, maybe the people I talked to just didn't think about him. You know, maybe they're talking, wanting to talk about somebody else. Who knows? Who knows exactly what would happen with all that? So, you know, running backs, receivers, you know, offensive line, they're not really in pads yet. You can't really tell about running backs yet either um, in terms of offensive line. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in terms of what they can do before that happens. All right. I have a conference call to get to here in 15 minutes, so we don't have much time here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Just want to um, go through some other sort of – recruiting type things. DeMarcus Smith, uh, who is deciding, I think, today, going to Ole Miss. Uh, player out of Birmingham, Tracy Rocker, just sort of offered when he got here. Game guys didn't do much with him. Uh, I will say this, Ole Miss is getting a good one. Uh, I think he's an outstanding player um, and our prospect and and could end up being a pretty good steal for the Rebels. I think that's uh, that's one of those things. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. 
with uh, defensive line recruiting moving forward. I know Tyrion Ingram Dawkins uh, continues to be the top target out of Gaffney, and we'll see if they pick up somebody else, maybe a Deontay Anderson. And, and, and you know, Muschamp did reinforce this, and those of us that talk recruiting all the time, uh, you know, we make the point that at Florida, Will Muschamp's classes never looked in, you know, January, February like they did in May. Um and at South Carolina, that it's been a little different because of early signing and all that, where you you know it's kind of been plugged in. This is a cycle, though, that you know, I who knows, you know, I think that uh, a lot could happen between now and early signing, and if they have later signing, we'll see what happens. And of course, the NCAA yesterday announced that they had passed a uh, law or a, a recommendation, rather, that. Um, Everybody gets redshirted this year, regardless if you play or not. So, like I was talking about Colin Hill, you know, Colin Hill's technically a junior because of his injuries. Colin Hill could have three years to play quarterback at South Carolina. Now, I'd be surprised if it lasted that long. <laughs> uh, you know, guys had three ACLs. I think if he's good enough to be out there and playing and getting start, you know, starting and throwing touchdowns and get a shot at the league, I think he'd probably go ahead and go. But, um, you know, that's interesting to think about. You know, you think about this too. Marshawn Lloyd has six years of eligibility now because it's, it's an automatic red shirt. And, look, I don't know how they're going to do it, like, you know, as far as red shirt. But, but I, would, I would imagine if it's just a blanket red shirt for 2020, your clock doesn't even start until 2021, you know. So, hypothetically, Marshawn plays this year. Uh and then has to redshirt the next. Maybe he gets hurt or something. Hopefully he doesn't. Um, yeah, you still have you know four more years to play. Uh, and of course, there's a, you, you got to you can get a headache sitting there thinking about the 85 man scholarship limit, and you know how it's going to work out per year, that type of thing. So you know you, you just sort of got you got to. You got to kind of use your your imagination, if you will, uh, to think about that moving forward. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, are we all going to go to one ten? You know, is it just going to be a power five thing? I mean, other schools aren't going to be able to afford it. You know, it's kind of a mess. So everybody think the Big Ten and Pac twelve, uh, but but I don't. I think I think as far as South Carolina goes, it you know, it kind of helps you get guys that, that develop and, and get better and better and better. It gives them more time to get going. Um, I think if it hurts anybody, it's probably the bigger schools. But, but then again, you expand scholarships to, um, to to rosters at bigger schools. And then you also, un, un, unintended consequence, you have the transfer portal. You know, who, who are they going to poach? You know, <laughs> so I don't know. And, and I say bigger schools like Carolina is a big school. Um, let me say uh, more well-branded schools nationally, the Blue Bloods, if you will. Um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens there. But that's the way they're headed. So I think on the bigspur.com, we're going to have to redo the scholarship chart somehow. I don't know. Um Anyway, speaking of the bigspur.com, go join if you're not a VIP member. Uh, it's, uh, you know, half off. I think we're running right now. You can join for a dollar or something like that. The special's right there. 
uh, we'd love to have you. You know, if you like this podcast, uh, go to the iTunes store, Apple store, Apple pod store, rate me five stars, leave me a review, the mailbag. Let me do the mailbag. Uh, the email address for the mailbag is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. I'll read your questions and answer them every single day. Also, go follow at the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. And um, if you tweet us, add, you know, you add us or whatever, we can read questions off Twitter too if you're on social media. So we'll see kind of what happens there. All right, this is J.C. Sherbert signing off for today on Thursday. Have a big episode tomorrow. Again, get your questions in inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. I appreciate all of you listening and have a great Thursday.